0: Happy Thanksgiving to everyone, and uh, we trust that you have some great plans today, whether it's just by yourself, and we know it's been altered a bit, but happy Thanksgiving to you, and we have so much to be thankful for. I do want to just uh, reemphasize that again. I want to say thank you to our worship team uh, and uh, for those that uh, were leading. Uh, wow, what a presence of God today, and a new song, and what, what, what a powerful message that had for us today, and you just could sense that God was uh, using the, the worship today uh, uh, to to help bring us right into the very presence. Well, we are in a series right now, uh, and it's, it's called the Why Series, and it's been on for a few weeks, and our, our lead pastor, Pastor Chad, has been just giving us some very challenging messages. And so going along with the theme and with my assignment today, my assignment is this, is Why Thanksgiving? And so we're going to be taking a look at that, and, and that's going to be the, the theme that that uh, is the underlying message uh, for, for the, the sermon that we're going to bring to you. Uh, why Thanksgiving? Uh, and we're not talking about actual the day Thanksgiving as in the noun, which we're all going to celebrate here either today or tomorrow. But we're talking about Thanksgiving as a verb, something, something that we do. So Thanksgiving as, as a verb. C.S. Lewis. And before I go on, uh, one of the challenges that uh, uh, our lead pastor has given to us is that we would take notes and, and that we would uh, make, uh, you know, observations about the messages that we're hearing. And so, I really want to encourage you today to take notes. There, there are some quotes that I have today. There are some points that I have that uh, 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 we want you to take away at least something from the message today. That will stick with you. That will you will be able to carry and apply to you not only today but in, in in the days to come. First quote C. S. Lewis. He said this: "To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable." Quite a thought. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable. In you, or in me as well. Let me say it again. C.S. Lewis says, To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable, because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. We absolutely have no reason not to be thankful. We're going to take a look at 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, verse 17, in just a moment. Uh, Paul has been writing to the, the church in Thessalonica, a New Testament church, uh, and he's been talking to them about a number of things. But he's been focusing on, in the last chapter, chapter 4 and chapter 5 of this, this small letter, he's been focusing on the return of the Lord. In particular, he's been emphasizing the soon return of the Lord, the rapture is what we often call. And, and as Paul is, is um, writing to the church in Thessalonica in chapter 4 and in chapter 5, He's, he's introducing attention. He, he wants the, the, the church to be aware. He wants the church to be on guard, but he wants the church living in such a way that they're ready. There's, there's, there's an expectation. There is a, um, uh, a rising above the ordinary and realizing, hey, you know, these are not ordinary days. These are extraordinary days. So over in First Thessalonians, starting um, with verse 1, I want to read some of the words that uh, Paul has been saying. Just in chapter 4, uh, he's talking to those, hey, listen, we've got good news. Uh, we're not without hope, you know, and that Jesus is coming back. And for those that have died before us, don't worry, we're going to see him again. So it, it's, it's a, a letter of hope. Over in 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 5, it says this, now, brothers and sisters, About times and dates we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. That's often a reference that we use to support the teaching on on the rapture, which we believe could happen any time now. It says, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Well, man, I don't know about you, but that kind of throws me off a little bit when you just leave that verse alone. But Paul goes on and he says this, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. In verse four, he says, but you brothers, and if Paul were here today, he would say, but you Bethel, but you that are listening today to to, uh, this, this, this message, he would say, but you Brothers and sisters are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. Some, it will be like a thief, but not for you. He says, this day should not surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. And then Paul starts starts hammering the church in Thessalonica about their lifestyle. And if he were today, he would be talking and speaking to us about our lifestyle, and he would be challenging our present lifestyle. And he goes on to say, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard, in love because of their work, live In peace with each other. And we urge you, strong word, urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone, and make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. So, what Paul is doing here. He's saying, you know, you're Christians. You know Jesus Christ is a personal Savior. You're not in the darkness. You're in the light, and there's an expectation that you live differently. You should be notably different than those around you who are in darkness, those that don't understand, that, those that really are tuned out as far as, 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 as spiritual things are concerned. You should be living different. Your life should be a contrast to those that are going around, you should not be looking like others. You should not be thinking like others. You should not talking talking like others. And so Paul is really uh, uh, putting the pressure to, to the individuals that are listening, as he would for us today. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle. Uh, and, and he talks about uh, disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong but always strive to do what is good uh, for each other and for everyone else. And then in verse 16, it says this. Rejoice always. Pray continually. And, of course, here's here's our verse. uh, Over in uh, verse 18, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Well, he goes on and there's a number of other things he will say throughout the rest of the chapter and looking at verses 19 right on through 28. But he's saying in the midst, in the midst of the day and age that you and I are living in, we are people to be known for thanksgiving. We are to be a people that, that are to be known for uh, as as people that are thankful, and it reflects in reflects in our praise, uh, in, in in our lifestyle, I, I, I did a little research just on on the word uh, Thanksgiving, and and there's been a lot of research uh, done on why we should be thankful, and and not just from a, a spiritual sense, but I, I came across um, uh, a research study that which by a guy by the name of Robert uh, A. Emmons, uh, he's got his PhD, he's from the, the University of California, uh, and uh, Emmons uh, and, and another uh, associate of his, uh, they, they worked on gratitude, you know, being thankful, Thanksgiving. And so they came up with a 21-day program for creating, get ready, this is emotional prosperity. It was quite interesting. So the results of his study and others, both uh, uh, psychologically and physiological, are fascinating. So I want to share with you uh, five reasons, five reasons that he came up with, and, and you're going to see how they, they fit within, within our context as well, but listen to them. Number one, they concluded that, that Thanksgiving is really helpful, uh, and especially when you count your blessings. Sounds like a sermon, doesn't it? Count your blessings, and so they, they found out that counting your blessings—it didn't matter whether you were a goer or not—if a person would count their blessings, that it would boost, that it would boost their health. Emmons and McCullough, his partner, uh, the research showed that grateful people had less depression and stress. Go figure—lower blood, lower uh, blood pressure, and more energy. In greater optimism just because they're counting their blessings. They're, they're not even talking about church, but that's, it supports what the Word of God says. Number two, they also found that when you are thankful that it slows down, listen, slows down the aging clock. Well, I don't know about you, but I, you know, I get a little concerned about the aging clock. And, and and what they found is that when people are thankful, especially in older adults, Emmons and McCullough found a daily practice of gratitude even slow, slowed down some of the effects of the neurodegeneration. Wow, what a word. I, I don't know if I got it right, but neurodegeneration that often occurs as we age. It slows down the aging clock. And number three, when you're, when you're thankful, their research found that it puts the brakes on stress. And we're living in a very stressful time. And so being thankful is key. And once again, I'm saying this is this is something that they have found in the secular realm. So put the brakes on stress. Uh, there is this, uh, this hormone that is released in our body when we are stressful, it's called cortisol. I, and, uh, and when that gets too much into our bodies, it causes all kinds of problems, and uh, it, it can deplete the immune system and raise the blood sugar levels. And, and what they found is that when people are, are, are thankful and they found the positive emotions like appreciation, Thanksgiving significantly lowered the levels of cortisol. Huh. Well, that was number three. I hope you're writing them down because I'm going to come up to some of you and ask you, did you get anything out of my message today? Okay, number four. Being thankful helps you bond. Uh, they found in their research uh, that uh, uh, gratitude also can lead to better relationships. Go figure. The explanation may be connected to an increased production of some other <laughs> hormones, sometimes called the bonding hormone, because it fosters calm and security in relationships. Once again, this is, I mean, the, the word of God was all over this. Jesus taught this. Paul taught this. I mean, they talked about being thankful. But even the world understands that when we are thankful, the positive uh, effects that it, that it uh, will have not only on us individually, but on those around us and in, 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 our, in our culture. You know what, what really concerns me? That, that Paul in his letter to, to uh, uh, Timothy, he talks about, especially in the second letter, he talks about that in the last days there is a generation that will be unthankful. We should be so in contrast to the generation that's around us. Being, uh, 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 being thankful, uh, it seems like the day, the day of thank yous, the day of cards and all that kind of stuff, it seems like it's, it's gone by the wayside. And, and, and we, we find that we, we live in a generation that is uh, uh, full of ingratitude. And so, so this research just points out that, that even in a secular way, when, when we are thankful, the positive effects. And then finally, their, their, their fifth point was gratefulness. And, uh, and, and what they, they, uh, they observed, that, that good from the heart, as he said, it's not only good for the heart, But it's also good, listen, it's good for the waistline. According to the research, Emmons cites in his book, Gratitude Works, uh, uh, people with high blood pressure who actively express thankfulness can achieve up to 10% reduction in their systolic blood pressure and decrease their dietary fat intake up to 20%. With Thanksgiving and other food-centered holidays coming up next month, He's, he's talking about, he says, that's a potential benefit to be grateful for all year long, so five five reasons why just even the secular world recognizes why we need to be thankful. I also came across seven great uh, seven reasons uh, for giving Thanksgiving, and these are certainly in the in the context that you and I know, and talking about the follower of Christ. Number one, number one, and, and these, these uh, seven uh, seven reasons, seven Bible reasons. Uh, we're, uh, were by Heather Adams. And she, the first one, she says, We are thankful because of his love. Over in Psalm 106, verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for, for he is good, and his love endures forever. Number two, his provision. Psalm 28 and verse 7 says this. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song, I praise him. And just, you know, talking about how the Lord is, is the strength for us and gives us what, what we uh, don't have, especially uh, in, the t- in the time of needs. And it talks about how my heart trusts in him, and as we trust in him, he helps us. So my heart leaps for joy, and with my song I praise him, his provision. Number three, his forgiveness. Psalm 103 to, uh, verses 2 through 3 says, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins. His love, his provision, his forgiveness. I mean, just, just those alone are enough reason for us to be thankful. So the point is, it's not that you are not thankful. You know that. You know, okay, yeah, I, I, yeah I'll be thankful for his love, sure. That's right. I'll be thankful for his provision. Yeah, I'll, I'll be thankful for his forgiveness. See, see the point that, that Paul was stressing to the church in Thessalonica is that we need to be noticeably different. We, we need to be marked contrast because we have every reason. We have every reason to be thankful and noticeably different. Because of what the Lord has done in our lives and what we recognize that He has done in our lives and have experienced. Number four, His Word. Colossians 3 and 16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your your hearts, being thankful for the word, the word that certainly comes comes alive and, and certainly in this point here we would once again, reminds you about the the step across the bridge called 40 Days in the Word. And that's that's why we believe so strongly in our church that it's important that you are well-grounded in the Word. But not only just reading the Word, but you understand there are different ways that you can study the Word of God. There are different ways that you can understand uh, what God is saying to you. Not only because you—well, I read the Word this morning, but something that lingers with you throughout the day. You know, and you can say to someone, you know, I was reading the Word of God this morning— And God spoke to me through his word. Because the word is not just a book. It's, the Bible is not just a book uh, written by uh, uh, some uh, group of people that were inspired by God. But the, the word of God, the Bible is a living, uh, a living word, a living book. And that's why uh, Paul says, let the message of Christ uh, dwell among you richly as you teach and referring to the word of God and admonish. Number uh, one, two, three, four, okay. Number five, his creation. Uh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, to him who alone does great wonders, who by his understanding made the heavens, who spread out the earth upon the waters, who made the great lights, the sun to govern the day, the moon and stars to govern the night. Creation, just a, a, another reason, if you need another reason today to, to give Give him thanks. And so we've talked about his love, his provision, his forgiveness, his word, his, his creation. And uh, another um, uh, point that uh, Heather points out in her, her seven reasons for thanksgiving is his people. Talking about the family of God. In, in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and you know, bare minimum today, even though you're going to have your mask on as you're leaving the place, give thanks and let 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 uh, the different ones you're going to encounter as you leave church say, I am thankful for you. I'm thankful that you were in church today. I'm thankful that we could connect in this way. It's not the best, but you know, it's the best we got right now. So we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. You know what? It it doesn't look the same, but you know, God is still working. God is still working in people's lives, and and, and sometimes it's just in their own room, in their different place, but people don't underestimate the work of the Holy Spirit and what he's doing, and that's why we need to be thankful for one another. So when you walk out of the place today, you walk out of church and say, I'm thankful to God for you. I'm thankful for what God is doing in uh, your life. Uh, And and one more that I wanted to share with you is his plan. And over in 1 Corinthians uh, 15 and 57, uh, we have so much to be thankful for, for God's plans. His great plan, but it's also his personal plan for us. And it says over in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, and talking about the return of the Lord. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Part of God's plan is for you and I to experience victory over sin right now. Victory over over, over the, uh, the, the challenges that, that we face in, in a broken world. And I always love sharing at the same time uh, th- this verse, and, and it's not part of our, our uh, slides, but it, it fits. Over in Jeremiah 29 and, and verse uh, 11 it says this, and I know many of you have shared have it. Many of you have memorized this verse. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Wow. So, five reasons from the secular world to give thanks. Quite beneficial. Seven reasons. That we can look to the Word of God and realize, yeah, Lord, be thankful. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a, a, a theologian, um, uh, a leader, pastor, teacher, um, in the days of uh, Nazi uh, Germany, just he, he, understood, uh, he, he understood that what was going on in his country was so, so, so wrong. And, and, and so, so uh, uh, diabolical and, and, and so destructive. And, and, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer um, was, was one who would, with, he would speak out against the government and so forth. So he was a real uh, uh, thorn in the side of uh, Hitler and, and, and the others. And almost, he almost made it to the end of the war. But because of his stand and, and, and because of what he preached for, her, uh, he was executed. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he made this comment. And when I came across it, I thought, boy, Lord, there's, there's something that you're speaking to me personally and something you're speaking to the church. He says this, see, your life as a Christian, and, and that's, that's, that's what I'm speaking to today, speaking to Christians. He says, your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. Let me read that again. Listen to it. Your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. It's, you know, it's just like you know, people come along. Boy, you know, I'm not a Christian, uh, and and you know. Man, I, I, don't, I don't really believe in God. I don't go to church, you know, and so forth like that. But, you know, I've been watching your life. I've been, I've been seeing your actions. I've been, I've been hearing what you're saying. And, and your lifestyle is causing me to question my disbelief in God. Wow. What a statement. Our doctrine. We talked about the rapture just briefly, and it's quite a subject. Our, our doctrine—that all falls underneath a, a word that th- they taught us in Bible college—and it's, it's a word that you don't have to remember, but it's a word. It's, it goes like this: it's it's eschatology, and eschatology is 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 part of our theology. But eschatology is really is centered in on the end times, and it talked about about uh, the, the the rapture and. Uh, end times, last days, and, and Jesus coming back, and so forth. So it's, it's, it's quite a subject. But our doctrine, what we hold dear to as a church, and what we practice and what we believe on, on, on end times, suggests strongly that as we are going through this thing called COVID-19, that the bar of responsibility has been raised. Each one of us. What the church is called to do, it's been raised. What, what, what God is in asking in my heart and in my life, he's, he's saying, Charlie, you've got to raise the bar. You've got to raise the bar because of what he's about to do, about, about to, to, to return. But I believe with all my heart that God has a role for the church in this day and in this hour like no other day before, and the bar has been raised. So whether you were with us this morning, whether you are in a room, it doesn't matter because I want you to know that God has raised the bar in your life, and he's calling upon you to be a contrast. He's calling upon you to be his his hand extended in, in this incredible day. So perhaps, as I get ready to conclude this message, perhaps... This Y-series that our lead pastor has introduced to us has positioned us, perhaps we have been just kind of uniquely placed right now to do a few things. The Y-series is causing us to swim upstream. We're not going with the current. He's calling us to swim upstream. Number two, he's, he's calling us to, to go, across, uh, go against the grain. You know, it's so easy to go with the grain. And, and I've struggled with that in, in, in years gone by. But I don't want to go. I want to go against the grain. And, 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 and perhaps this series, this Y series, is once again challenging us to be the change. And certainly, this series is calling us to be a counterculture. A counterculture, and here's why I say it. historically, the precedence is there for the church to be a counterculture. I don't think I'm I'm saying anything new that is that is different to the church's history, but but uh, the church in this day is called is being called to be a counterculture, and Thanksgiving is our theme. It's our theme song. A um, a sociologist and historian by the name of Rodney Stark, and and Rodney, he, he mounts it. It's a powerful argument. He's been writing about the Romans, uh, the the Roman history, and and back in the first uh, uh, to well maybe maybe four centuries, uh, he he's writing about uh, the Roman Empire. He's talking about he's talking about paganism uh, that was was going uh, going on uh, at the time. Uh, he and he said he talked about how. How there was uh, people uh, were were suffering, and, and the thing that he he really zeroes in is and Mr. Stark zeroes in that there were two major plagues that broke out in the Roman Empire in those first uh, four four centuries. And and he he talks about he talks about that the thing that was so noticeable is is how Christianity grew. And and, and, the, and the lifestyle of of the uh, the Christians during this time, and, and and so Stark he he he's writing in the, he's writing about COVID and all this kind of stuff, and he, and he says this by all means. Uh, when when we 're talking uh, about uh, how, how we are to respond uh, uh, to to different things, and he just gets us a little little parenthesis and let me just share it with you He says by all means practice scrupulous hygiene both of your own for your own sake and the sake of others. wash your hands, cough into your arm, elbow bump instead of shaking hands, even stay away from public meetings or your local uh, that your local health authorities recommend that you avoid but Stark goes on to say that that, as he's saying, we I know we've got to recognize the dilemma that we're in. But the point that he wants to make as he's been doing his historical research is that Christians in the first three and four centuries, one, two, three, four, they didn't leave town because there was a plague. He said the noticeable difference about the, the Roman Empire at that time, there were many that were leaving and fleeing the country because of the plague. But it was the Christians that ran toward the plague. It was the Christians that, that instead of running away, they ran towards, they were the, they were the counter culture. Their lifestyle was different. Their, their, their faith in God was, was strong. And so he says this, that um, uh, Christianity flourished during the first four centuries Of existence, not running away, but running to. And he says, Let us not be driven by fear, no matter what transpires in the days and weeks ahead. Rather, let us be guided by the one who declared a blessing upon those who show mercy. So today, you and I are called, you and I are called to be part of a A counterculture. Today we are to be a, a, a people that show our gratitude. I came across this quote. It says, My gratitude affects my attitude. And my attitude is affected not by my aptitude, but by my altitude, referring to a relationship with God, which in turn does affect my latitude. Eventually my gratitude will affect the multitude. May God use us today and may we be just like jesus said over matthew 5 and with this i will close you are the salt of the earth but if the salt loses its saltiness how can it be made salty again it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot verse 14 you are the light of the world a town built on a hill cannot be hidden Neither do people light up a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine. Be thankful. Let your gratitude be known. Go against the grain. Swim upstream that they may see. I like what he said here. Jesus said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. 1 Peter 2 and 12. Live, just in case you don't know anything else to do. One thing, you're going out, out these doors and facing this weekend and the days to come and in the midst of everything that's going on. Be known for your good works. And Peter says this Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Let's pray. Christians, tell me, Father. Thank you for your word today. Thank you for the, the incredible uh, privilege we have to be thankful. And so, Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence here in our worship. Thank you for helping me with the message. Now, Holy Spirit, I thank you for taking points, taking words, taking scriptures, taking quotes, Lord, and, and, and sending them home, Holy Spirit, to these people so that as we go, as we go and face our world and not running away from it, but running right into the middle of it. So being that contrast, being the change, being the, the, the answer for our world today. We, we have so much to be thankful for. But most importantly, may we be known as a people that stand out in contrast. May we be known as a people that, that, that when others meet us, it will question their disbelief in you and say, you know what, I don't know what it is, but you got something that I don't have and I want it. So Lord... Thank you for giving us the privilege to be salt and light, and we give you praise and give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Wow. Well, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Have a great Thanksgiving. Come on, let's go out and be that counterculture for Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast that's blessed you and encourage you and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.